0: Would you agree with me this morning? Let's just, uh, open up our hearts and our minds this morning and let's just, uh, agree together to receive the engrafted word. We don't just want to hear the logos. We want to hear the rhema, which is truth revealed the spoken word of God to your heart from the throne of God by way of the Holy spirit and the anointing. And that's what we want to receive because that's what faith, that's what builds faith. Nothing else but rhema will build faith. You have to have revelation. And that's what we want to receive. We don't want to just hear good things. We want to hear God things. Amen. Praise God. So let's just agree this morning. Father, we're so grateful. We're grateful for your mercies. We're grateful for your love wherewith you loved us, O God, and gave us your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, whom we extol to the highest place. Jesus, you are Lord. You are truth. You're the way and the life, O Master And we declare we just re-yield ourselves unto the Spirit of God, whom you have given to us, not leaving us orphans, O Father, but you've given us the great comfort and hope of your Spirit inside of us, resident presence of God. Holy Spirit, we're grateful. We do invite the light of your precious Son, Jesus, Father, into our lives right now in the name of Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us into truth and knowledge for opening up our eyes, for opening up our ears, giving us a spirit of revelation and wisdom and the knowledge of you, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God, I'm believing my way through the cold this morning. And so we're, uh, you'll have to hear a little bit of a funky, nasally sound to my voice, but it's still not going to stop the anointed word. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph is what I'm hearing in my spirit. I hear that a lot of times because I think there's a lot of adversity that people are struggling with, including me. So it's important that the word of God that is near you be in your mouth too. You have to get it in your mouth and for it to become revelation. And we're going to talk a little bit more this morning. I'm not going to get off any rabbit trails unless the spirit of God leads me down them. Amen. We're going to talk about the so, spirit and soul, concepts of the spirit and soul. And I, in no way, intend that what we have covered both last week and today to be the finality of concepts of the spirit and soul. As a matter of fact, we could spend the next year easily going over the concepts and not really repeat a lot of what we've talked about. But, um, So we're going to try to address some of the generalities of the soul and spirit. How many of you all were not here last week? Okay, so we have a few folks that need to listen to last week's sermon. It is on the web. I'm sorry, I'm not going to punish the rest of you all, or the rest of the people that were here, and go through an exhaustive uh, review of what we covered last week because we just don't have enough time. I'd love to do that. And as a teacher, I am beckoned to review things. Multiple times I want to review 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 because that's the way you get things in you but I'm I'm, so I'm going to have to fight against the stream this morning inside of me that wants to review but I am going to allow the Spirit of God to use me and lead me in the things that need to be brought forth and so I do need to tell you that we talked last week about the Spirit and I know so many of us are familiar because we live I'm including myself in that too The majority of our lives from the soul and the body and not so much from the spirit. So it's important that we talk about the spirit a little bit more than we talk about the other elements in terms of locating what that person is. We had to locate the spirit and we did our spirit, little s, our spirit, little s. When we talked about last week about uh, to live our lives as God intends, we got to understand that we're three people in one and so forth. Now, I want to expound on a couple of points because I don't want to leave you with a misunderstanding of some issues we talked about last week. And one thing in particular, we talked about the fact that the word was a dividing instrument. To be able to divide our soul and spirit so that we can see them for what they are. We have to realize that if it takes the word of God to divide something and it, and, and it takes something that's sharper than a two-edged sword to divide it, then they must be pretty commingled or close together. Amen? It must be something that almost appears as one if you look at it. Your soul and spirit are very much tied together. They're very much endeared together. They are eternal as well. Let me get something else out to you this morning. Did you know that every element of your person is eternal, including your body? Now, not the body you're living in now. I'm going to tell you this morning that even those that do not know Jesus will one day receive an incorruptible body, I'm sorry to say. No, no. This is, I'm telling you, it's it's serious business because guess what? That incorruptible body will then forever be destroyed in the pits of the lake of fire. It will forever be doomed to experience that horrible separation from God, not just spiritually, which is eternal, not just soullessly, which is eternal, but also physically. So I want to make that known unto you this morning that every element of your person, both spirit, soul, and body are eternal, though the eternality of your flesh has not yet been realized. And the, and what your, the process of the salvation of your soul is something that is ongoing from the time you accept Christ into your life. But one thing I don't want you to misunderstand is that just because we are recreated a new species spiritually when we accept Jesus as our Lord, when we are drawn to him by the Holy Spirit in a true conversion experience, and we have accepted that truth in our lives. We've been reborn again, as Jesus called it, as he told Nicodemus, you got to be born again. We have been recreated, reborn a new species that just because that happens doesn't mean that that person, your new spirit now is then the fullness of everything God intends for it to be. What I mean by that is, is that you are a baby spiritually, and that that spirit, yes, though eternal, yes, though it's righteous and stands before God's presence as if it had never, as if you had never sinned. Yes, though you are completely in in right to come right into the presence of God spiritually, but yet you have to develop your spirit man. Amen. You have to grow your spirit man as you develop your soulish man, as you also have to develop your physical man. And it goes through that process. When something is born, is it born in its full maturation? No. It is born a what? A baby. A baby. So too your spirit. So please don't misunderstand that. Each part also, listen, contacts its own realm. It's so important that we realize that spirit, soul, and body contacts three different dimensions. We're so into 3D television now. Do we even understand what the concept of 3D is? It means that there are two dimensions. There's a planar dimension, and then there's also a a vertical dimension, and there's a horizontal dimension. It's moving out at us. There's X, Y, and Z. I can describe it better mathematically in terms of coordinates. But yet also, too, we exist in at least three dimensions, but then I'm also going to tell you that by the spirit, there are infinite dimensions. And guess what? God is existing in a dimension that is simultaneous with ours, but separate. It's separate. It's a spiritual dimension. And you know, we can receive and, and so, and receive by that dimension as well. But that's what we have to learn is how do we contact that dimension? If it's spirit, then it's got to be by the spirit. So. Real quickly, the spirit contacts the spirit realm. Duh. And its voice, every single person that you have, all three of you, spirit, soul, and body, has its own voice, has its own unique voice. So it contacts the realm, and it has its own voice. The spirit, your spirit, contacts the spirit realm. Its voice, the voice of your spirit, is by and large your conscience. Your inward witness. How many of y'all have ever heard of that? I've got an inward witness. I like to use it in a common colloquial expression that from a redneck perspective, which I am, I call it my gut. How many of y'all ever use that expression? Man, I just didn't have a good feeling in my gut about this. Huh? I saw Frank raise his hand back there. See, Frank and I are probably cut from the same mold. I come from kind of a country background. And I tell you what, one thing about it is you learn to listen to your gut. How many times, Frank, have you gone against your gut and it turned out bad for you? Every single time, right? A good chunk of the time, that's because your spirit is trying to talk to you. That's the voice of your inner man. Guess what? We talked about where the inner man is. Where is he at? Or her? Gender neutral when I say he or person. It's inward man inward man. It's your belly, right? We talked about the the belly, the center part of your being. That's where the inner man is at. So that's the spirit, the soul contacts the intellectual realm. Let me tell you, we're very well familiar with that contact and that process. And we got a whole campus and institution up here that is greatly uh, prosperous in that area. That's exactly what it's designed to do is contact the intellectual realm and largely the voice of your soul is twofold. It's reasoning and emotions, reasoning and emotions. That's the voice of your soul. So if it's constant uh, action that takes you having to process something through, that's your soul's voice. Now I'm not telling you taking time to reflect inwardly. If to meditate is your soul's voice. I'm talking about if whatever you're doing is having to be hammered through you, the confines of your understanding and logic, that is reason. And that is the voice of your soul. Okay. So it contacts the intellectual realm. The voice is largely reason and it's and and it's complex with emotions, complex with emotions. We're very well familiar with emotions. Okay, and uh, the next thing is the body. And guess what? It contacts the physical realm. I can see every one of you. I can come out and touch every one of you. I'm contacting the physical realm with my body. Okay, and guess what the voice of the body is. Can anyone tell me? There's five of them. The senses, the senses, that's largely the voice of your body. It's about, it's about, well, I feel this, I smell this, I taste this, I hear this, so on and so forth. That's largely the voice of your body. Okay, so real quickly, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not, I can't spend time reviewing last week as much as I'm fighting against the grain here, cutting against it. I'm just, it makes me almost want to twitch. So let me, let me expound a little bit on, on the, the development of each of these. We talked about the fact that you got to train and develop each part of your man. All parts are subject to growth and maturity. Listen, you, you have a spirit, you have a soul, you have a body. Every single one of those elements of your being must be mat- matured. They are matured through a process of education, of discipline, of eating. Guess what? Your spirit man must eat. Your spirit man must eat. And the sad reality is, because we largely live from the soul and the flesh, folks, if we could look into the spirit realm, we would see a general populace of gaunt and withered spirit conditions. I'm sorry to say that. We would, see, we would not see obesity in the spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? And the reason for that is because we have largely ignored our spirit man in terms of feeding him or her. We have largely left him or her on the shelf. And we have confined him to one meal a week and it's on Sunday morning. If we did that to our flesh, you'd never have an obesity issue anywhere, would you? So, as a matter of fact, you'd have people dying. And I submit to you spiritually, where are we at? If you submit if you only have one intake per week spiritually where are you going to be if you did that in your flesh where would you be you would waste away you would eventually die i say unless that one meal was an incredibly nutrient packed meal and you just drank vegetable oil you know something that was so nutrient packed And that's all you did. And since it was able to even process it, which it's not going to be able to do, you're not going to be able to survive on one meal a week. I'm going to submit to you and still live the same physical uh, uh, life as far as how you're, you're exerting yourself physically. Not going to be able to sustain that. It's not sustainable. So why do we do it spiritually? Okay, so. All parts are subject to growth and maturity because of ignorance or indifference. We let our spirits suffer, barely feeding or even developing them. Matthew four, four, listen to what the words of the master say. My red letter in my Bible and yours, it says, but he answered and said being Jesus, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And there are several things in this folks. This is our intake For for him to say that man shall not live by bread alone, does that not imply that there is another part of your man that needs feeding as well? Amen. Thank you, Cornell, for walking in and catching it that quick. No, it implies that there is another person, part of your person that needs feeding. Amen. Amen. If man shall not live by bread alone, then that means there's a part of your life that requires another bread. It requires the manna from heaven. It requires Jesus Christ that we eat him and drink his blood. It requires that we participate in him, but we have to consume the bread. And how do we consume that? We consume it spiritually. We consume it spiritually. That's spiritual consumption. There is so much revelation packed into this one scripture right here. I could teach an entire sermon just on this one scripture. There are elements, when Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, the word word is rhema. That means that it's not just reading the logos that gets you your spiritual feeding, that brings you spiritual nourishment. Guess what? It is by getting into the word, being led by the spirit of God and allowing the spirit of God to speak that word into you straight from heaven to where you understand it. And it brings enlightenment to you. That's what rhema is. It's a spoken word. So the thing is, it's not just man shall live by every logos, every word that comes straight out of the word as you read it like a storybook. But it comes by you reading this word and by the spirit of God as you open yourself, receiving revelation and wisdom and a rhema word from God through it. That is what that is the bread folks. That's what we need to, and and Jesus said in his own prayer, when the disciples asked him, how are we supposed to pray? What was one element of it? It was give us this day our daily bread. And I submit to you this morning that that bread is not just your flour, water, and salt, and with a little yeast mixed in it so that you can have physical sustenance. It is your spiritual manna from heaven so that you can receive strength and nutrition that you need to grow thereby spiritually. Okay, so listen to what, so we're talking about the fact that all parts of our being are subject to growth, that so we have to feed them all. You feed your flesh, you feed your mind when you go up to the university, when you read books. We cram our minds full of all kinds of knowledge. We grow and mature, you know, from our mental perspective and intellectual perspective a psychological perspective. What about a spiritual perspective, though? Yes, Jesus says you don't live by the physical bread alone, but you got to have sustenance spiritually because you got to grow. As newborn babes, 1 Peter 2 2 says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Why would he say every time we see babes, we see what? Milk. Babes, milk. Babes, milk. Why? Because that's their particular vein of nutrition. That's the particular uh, uh, substance with which God created in every mammal the ability to deliver nutrition to their offspring through milk. And let me tell you what, there's spiritual milk, folks. And I can show you that spiritual milk, unfortunately, to a lot of our minds that when we sit here and think this morning that we may know a lot about the things of God, folks, it's elementary. Things like righteousness. Righteousness is milk, folks. It is not meat and potatoes. Righteousness is really the milk of the word. And you can go and look at the other elementary teachings that are talked about in the, uh, what is it, Hebrews 6. You can go look at those first couple of verses there, and every bit of that is actually called foundational teachings. They're the milk for people that first come into the, the service, come into to the family of God. That's how they're supposed to grow. And unfortunately, every single one of us are still, still feeding on the elements, trying to get growth and maturity on the elements that really we should be leaving a, a, a building on a foundation upon. You see what I'm saying? We should already be mature in those areas. Listen, I'm not preaching condemnation. I'm talking to me, too. Every single one of us. So by the Spirit of God, we just want to receive this morning the, the revelation that we gotta grow spiritually. Amen. So Jude 120, see what it says? But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. What is this building up yourselves? It's maturation, it's growth. And we've talked, we've heard that for three weeks from uh, Pastor CJ, building yourselves up, praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, who is that building up? Is that building your flesh up? Is that building your soul up? No, it's building your spirit man up. It is maturing your spirit man, your inner man. And then what we could see is in Ephesians 4:11 through 15, that's another a good uh, example. I'm not going to read that. It's too long, but it's very, very good. And it actually talks about the fact that if you don't allow the maturation process to take place, what will happen is men can come in with every wind of doctrine and blow you from one side to the next. Because you are not having a foundation and a, and a maturity in you laid to the point that you know how to be discriminate about what you take in. You know, little babies, what is the most characteristic thing of a little baby, hand to mouth, hand to mouth, hand to mouth, every single thing. It could be a marble. It could be a piece of bread. It could be a piece of poison that would kill them if it made it to their mouth. But it all is the same thing to them. It's hand to mouth. And you know, spiritually, it's the same thing. We have to protect our spiritual babies, folks. People that come into the kingdom of God when they have never known anything about it before. Yes, they are recreated a new species in Christ. Yes, they are alive now unto God. But soulishly, they are dead still. They have to have a renewal in their mind. And physically, we know what's going to happen later on when Jesus is going to return. So we don't focus so much on that. We focus on the spiritual growth of these folks so that they will not be torn and twisted and blown from one side to the next by every wind of doctrine that would come hammered through the soul of mind rather than brought by the spirit. That's where the doctrines that blow people from one thing, one place to the next come from. They come from the soul and not the spirit. There's no life in them. We're a very limited life. So we've got to be careful about that. We've got to grow up. Oh, Holy Spirit. Okay, so, you know, we talked about it because it's a spiritual spirit experience that we live. It's with our spirit that we know, quote unquote, that we're saved. Remember, I talked about that last week. But but you realize that because, it, because God, it's the spirit of God that tells us that we're the sons and daughters of God to our spirit then it's not our soul. Then if, we, if we're trying to relate to God through our soul and relate the, the truth of our experience with God only by our soul, then guess what? It's, it is subject to the fickleness of your feelings and your mood and where you're at. Condemnation, guilt, everything can assault that. And it, and, it, and it will win. I'll promise you it will win. Unless you have developed yourself and renewed a good portion of your mind, it will win at some point in time if you stay in your soul only. So we must learn to always ground our experiences with God back to the spirit. Always ground your experiences, your relationship, and everything you're doing. Always think to yourself, spirit first, then the soul, then the body. Spirit, soul, body. Spirit, soul, body. Spirit, soul, body. You ground everything always back to the spirit because that's where the life is at. Numa, That's where your life and your, your recreated person is at. So we must learn to always do that and until our souls have matured in the things of God. But if that hadn't happened, then what will happen is otherwise you're going to struggle with guilt. You're going to struggle with lack of confidence before him. Why? Because you're staying in the soul and mental realm where where you're weak, where you don't have righteousness, where you don't have a renewal of your person unto the reality of your right standing before God, which is which is a spiritual matter first. So what will happen is What you gotta do is you're gonna you're gonna or what'll happen is you're gonna lack confidence before him. In other words, let your spirit or heart be the driver of your relationship, folks. Don't let your soul be the driver. Let your spirit be the driver. If you don't, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. Every time you mess up, there'll be a cloud that'll move in over you, and it will quell the light from coming into your life. If you just stay in the soulless realm, you always supersede that cloud and blast it with the light of the truth of God coming from a spiritual perspective where what you do is you ground it back and you say, no, you build up yourself. And then what you do is, is you release the truth of God out of your mouth and declare no himself bore my sins himself carried my pains. If it's a sickness that you're dealing with, if it's righteousness issues and condemnation, then you know, therefore now there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And where the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. But listen, it's the law of the spirit of life, not the law of soul of life. It's the spirit realm. Again, you ground it back and then you speak those truths out into your life coming from a spiritual perspective. Listen to what 1 John three twenty one says. If you don't think this is important, listen to what John says to say about it. The apostle John says, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. How would you like it to be that anything you ask of God, you receive? I want to read it one more time then, based on what I just asked you. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence. And whatsoever you ask, you will receive. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Well, how is all that done? It's done by the way of the spirit, not the soul, not the soul guys. It is by way of the spirit. You have your confidence from a spiritual perspective. And you have to always supersede what is being told from your, the voice of your intellect and the voice of your senses with the voice of your conscience, a voice of the new law that has been written on your hearts and minds by way of the spirit. Hallelujah. So listen, your head can't be your heart. Don't let it run or rule your experience or you'll be off. With this you realize that the love is a spiritual matter and substance. We talked about this last week. We know that God is love and if God is spirit, then that means love is spirit. It's a transitive property. I can even apply logic to this. If a equals b and b equals c then a equals c. I've got God, I've got God being spirit, I've got love being spirit, then if then if God or God being love, then God is spirit, God is love, then love is spirit. You see what I'm saying? Love is a spiritual thing before it is anything else, and because of that, unless we realize that, then we're going to be limited. If we just always come from the phileo perspective, we always come from the mental and soulless perspective of love, we'll never be able to forgive completely. We'll come to a place that eventually something will happen to you that you will have a grievance against your person so bad that you'll never be able to forgive if all you come from is a mental perspective of forgiveness. So so I submit to you this morning, if anyone struggles with unforgiveness this morning, this is probably the answer. Because if you can't forgive of your flesh... If you can't forgive in your mind and intellect because of the memories that are there, because of the experiences that rightfully you are in the right to not forgive because they hurt you, because they may have abused you, because they may have abandoned you, because they may have never saw value in who you were as a person that they begot. I'm talking about maybe children to parents this morning. If you're in that position this morning, I declare to you this morning the obvious. You cannot forgive by soul. You can't come up with enough gumption inside of you to say, I forgive and release them and still be over the pain and the heartache of it and the, and the bondage because of it. There's only one way this morning that that's going to happen. And if that comes by way of Numa man, it comes by way of this spirit man this morning. You have to remember everything grounded back to the spirit. You have to ground it back to the spirit and say, God, I, you know, it's just like Jesus in the garden. If there be any way, let this cup be removed from me. Guess what? That was his soul. That was the the anguish of his soul declaring to his father, God, I can't see how I'm going to make it through this. Oh, come on this morning. Jesus is sitting there in the garden. He's in the Gethsemane, which means the wine press, the oil press. He's under a pressure, an intense pressure, because it's not because of the fact that he's going to die a physical death. It's because he's fixing to be separated from the Father. Did you realize that Jesus, though he was God, he was 100% man, and he had to live his life here just like we do in the same weakness and frailty potential that we have. He did do it, folks. He did do it, and when he sat in that garden and he went at least three times, and this is, thus saith Greg, not saith the Lord, but at least we haven't recorded that he went there three times. I can't help but believe that he went there more times than three times. I can't help but believe that Jesus' soul was complete. He even told the disciples, Dear God, when we come to this place, will you please pray with me? My soul is in great anguish. He told his disciples, my soul is in anguish. What does that mean? When you come to the place, that, that that means you're completely consumed. You can't think about anything else. His mind, will, and emotions were completely consumed with what he was going to have to face, folks. It wasn't the beatings. There are many people that have been beat. It wasn't the crucifixion. There are many people that have been crucified physically. It was the fact that he was fixing to be made sin itself. And then have to be despised by his father. Dear God. And he was going to experience something he'd never experienced before. You know what? The Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days, who knows <laughs> the, the end from the beginning, he actually had something he didn't know. <laughs> Our Master didn't know. I'm sorry, folks. It touches me. It pierces me. Oh, dear God, Jesus. (sighs) You have to understand that Jesus was being pressed, folks, just like many of you are this morning. But listen, even though he cried out from the depths of his soul, oh, God, if there be any other way. But yet from the new man, he pulled up the answer every time. Nevertheless, let it be your will and not mine done. That came from the Spirit. But then his soul would cry out again as he would sit there and think about it, as his mind would be tormented and consumed with those thoughts about being separated and what that was going to be like and the fact that he was going to go to hell and be submitted unto the enemy himself for everything the enemy wanted to do to him. But yet he would come back from the pneuma perspective, a spirit man perspective, nevertheless, let your will be done and not mine. Do you see that that's the way we live our life too? Every single one of us. That's the only way you're going to live your life and overcome. That, that gets so many experience in your life. <clears throat> and it says, you know, we, now we can understand, you know, that if we understand love as a spirit, then we understand that we've got to come from a spiritual perspective and how we release that love and energy, not from our soul, not from our flesh, because it's not there. Then we understand that it actually is possible to forgive someone for the unforgivable. That it actually is possible to love your enemies. Because it's not your love, it's God. Amen? Listen to what, And guess what? Listen to what Zechariah 4, 6 says. Remember, we've been saying, take everything back to the spirit, not by might, nor by power. Well, what is the might and power? It represents this, and it represents this. But what did he say? But by my spirit. If God's that way, then we are too. If we're going to win, it's got to be by spirit, folks. If we're going to win. If we're going to be more than conquerors. Okay, so then we moved on. Man. We moved on to talk a little bit about the spirit and locating the spirit man. And we spent quite a bit of time on that. And... uh, You know, we talked about where the spirit man was and I I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm still fighting against the grain here. I'm not going to review. I don't have enough time. I've got, you know, 15 minutes at the most. So now what we need to talk about is a little bit about the soul. We talked about the, the spirit last week. Okay. So the one thing I do want to give you though, is remember I talked about the locating the spirit man scripturally. A lot of scriptures refer to him as the belly, the belly, right? Out of your water or out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Remember? Well, what it's not talking about your physical belly. It's talking about your spirit, where your spirit man is. The center the core of your being. Well, here's another great scripture I want you all to get down. It's Proverbs 20:27. 20, Listen to what this says. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. There's another scripture, a belly scripture. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inner parts of the belly. I'm just trying to belabor this concept of spirit and where he's located and the fact that spirit touches spirit. God is spirit. Then you must touch God by way of spirit. First, notice that this scripture says the life comes from the belly. The life comes from the belly. This represents the inner man, the core of a person's being or his spirit. I just wanted to share that scripture with you. That's another belly scripture. And then you can do a belly dance after you get a revelation of that. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's, do, let's move on to the soul. Now, we understand a lot about the soul, so we don't need to spend a lot of time locating where the soul's at. Every single one of us know that. We're very well familiar with that. The soul is that dimension of man that deals with the mental realm. Man's intellect, his sensibilities, will, reasoning, emotions, etc., etc. That's the soul. The part that reasons, the part that thinks, the part that decides, the part that relates in, in emotion, that's the soul. So loosely, it's the mind, will, and emotions. When you hear me talk or teach about the soul, you're going to hear three different things about the soul mind, will, and emotions. The, psych, you know, the science of psychology has identified that, and they take it to the nth degree and can tell you all these different things about each one of those elements and divide it even further, but it's loosely the mind, will, and emotions. Okay. The soul. So it is also, so wait a minute. So the soul is the core of your personality. It's your uniqueness as an individual. You know, a lot of what we have in our soul is natural. It's what we're born with. You know, how many of y'all have ever seen kids had kids and they have a very similar personality to yours, you know, or they have a blend, a good blend. I think I'm a fairly good blend of my mother and father, probably leaning largely more towards my mother (laughs) in terms of the, the type of personality that I have. But I'm a pretty good blend. You know, a lot of that is there's some genetics involved in that. There's also spirit involved in that in terms of what they have begotten and how God's created me through them. Same for you all. Okay, so the so the soul, though, is. The Suke, we talked about pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma being the Greek word for spirit. Okay, that's where we get the word spirit in the New Testament translated from pneuma. Okay, well, there's a, there's a Greek word for, for the soul, too, and it's called psuche, P-S-U-C-H-E, Suke. And, and it is, you know, pneuma is a deep, forceful breath. It's a deep, forceful, cleansing blast of breath of air, whereas pneuma is a shallow breath. Like most of us sitting here right, right now, or I said suke, I said that backwards. Numa is the forceful breath, suke is the, the shallow one. Most of us are sitting here doing the suke, shallow breaths, not having to exert ourselves. But if I went and got an, got an ax, Marty didn't know about this, and I had to go out here and said, I don't want this one tree down out here anymore. <clears throat> I want you to take it down with that ax. I bet it wouldn't take more than about five or six strokes and you'd be in Numa real quick. You'd be breathing real forcefully. <laughs> you, ever, you ever used an axe to chop down a tree, Marty? Oh, yeah. Okay. I guarantee you, man, I got a lot of respect for people that can wield an axe all day. Man. Okay, so talking about the suke, the soul. So we're very familiar with the attributes of the soul, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. But we, however, what we do need to spend time on is understanding how the soul works in relationship To God and the role that it should play, the role that it should play, the role that it should play, not that it does. That's what we're going to get down here for just the next few moments. So because of its nature, the soul does not contact the spirit realm. We talked about it being soul contacting the intellectual realm and therefore it cannot receive from it except, except by way of its connection with your spirit. Your soul is connected with your spirit and for it to receive anything from the spirit realm, it receives it by way of your spirit. That's the connection. That's the feed. The news feed, if you want to look at it like that. Okay. Now, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, but the natural man, listen to this very closely. Don't worry about looking it up. 1 Corinthians 2.14, you can write it down. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. There is a confirmation of what I just said. Why? Because they are foolishness to him. That means they don't make any sense. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Again, your spirit contacts the spirit realm. Your soul contacts the intellectual or psychological realm. Your body contacts the, the physical realm. So, it's not going to receive from the different realms. The only way your soul receives from the spirit realm is by way of your spirit being connected to it and being able to process it and feed it what it can understand. Having that nature. And guess what? Here in this scripture, right here, the natural man, guess what the word natural man comes from? The Greek word sukikos. Sukikos, which means, which sounds a lot like what? Suke, which means the soul man. I'm a soul man. I'm a soul man. you darn right. Most everybody is nothing but a soul man and flesh wrapped around it. Especially that guy that sang that song. (laughs) I don't even know who he is. I'm just deep. He only knew one part of his life and that was the shallow breath rather than the deep, forceful breath that can carry you through some, some things. So anyway, soul, man. now I got all that song in your mind, don't I? So the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. The Suki coast man, the suke will not receive from the spirit of God. It it just manifests exactly what I said. It proves it out that your mind is not received from God except by way of your spirit. So trying to understand, listen closely, or reason out the things of the spirit through your soul will capital N-E-V-E-R work. It will never work. You cannot reason out and hammer the word and the things of the spirit through your soul to produce the fullness of life that God has in it. It's not going to work, folks. You don't hammer it through your soul. You don't run it through your soul as a process first. So you receive. So how do you receive it, Greg? Well, here's what you do. You receive revelation or illumination by your spirit. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. If you look at the word candle, it's actually the word lamp. It can be translated the word lamp. Guess what? The spirit of God contacts your spirit, provides illumination that brings enlightenment to your mind and the rest of you. That's how you receive enlightenment. That's the formal process of revelation. Spirit first, soul then body. So you receive revelation or illumination through your spirit by the word of God. Spirit of man is a candle of the Lord, which then illuminates your mind. I think Psalmist said, the entrance of your word brings light. Light is illumination. It lets you see what's going on. You, it means understanding. If you want to get understanding about the things of God, start with the spirit, because that's the only way it's going to happen. I'm talking about to any depth or degree of impact. And again, here it is. I didn't even know. I put it in here. Proverbs twenty twenty seven. There it is. Spirit of the Lord is a candle, or the spirit of man is a candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. That's you, your spirit, God's spirit. You relate to Him in spirit first. He uses your spirit to contact the rest of you and, and bring revelation. Okay, the primary mode, and I want everyone to listen very closely the primary mode and reason for religion. This is it. Religion. I'm talking about the lifeless things of God. There's no such thing. I'm talking about taking the things of God and hammering them through your soul produces one thing and it's called religion. It's called a bunch of bunk, a bunch of things that have no life in them. A bunch of things that are going to bring bondage to you. Man doesn't receive enlightenment of his truths by way of their mind. So they establish their own truths. That's religion. That's the, to me, that's the formal and scriptural definition of religion. Romans ten three. listen closely to what it says. It says, since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God. Again, how do you know the things that come from God? By way of enlightenment through your spirit. And since they did not know, then that means that they had not been enlightened. So since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God, they sought to establish their own. That is religion right there. Boom. You want to talk about what religion is it's when you cannot receive the things of God. And so what you do is you make up your own construct. You make your own thing up. You build that tower of Babel. You try to reach God through your means. So we must realize that we can pray, worship, preach, prophesy, give, love, serve, minister, etc. From the spirit and the soul. You mean, Greg, someone can prophesy from the soul? Yes, they can. Does it bring life? No. Does it bring condemnation, guilt, and and everything else opposite of what prophecy is supposed to do? Mostly. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. If it's coming from a tangent of your soul, there's not going to be life and anointing and and that bird-moving, yoke-destroying power in it. Can you minister from the soul? Yes. It happens every Sunday. Can you sing and worship from the soul? Yes. Happens all the time. Has for thousands of years. But can you do it from the spirit? Yes, you can. And that's where we're supposed to do it from. That's where the life is at. Can you preach from the soul? Yes. Done it several times. Can you pray from the soul? Yes. I've done that. Thousands of times. But guess what? You're supposed to do some things from your soul, but it, remember what I've told you. It's the order of things. Spirit first, then soul, then body. You always come from a, spirit, a tangent of the spirit first, then work that through your soul, and then your body. Not the opposite. So we got to realize this. Listen to what First Corinthians 14, 13-15 says. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So right there is the proof of what I'm saying. You've got a spiritual prayer. You've got a soulless prayer. But I'm not telling you you don't pray in this from your soul perspective, too. Listen to what Paul says. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with the spirit. And I will sing with the understanding. It's important to do both. But listen, start with the spirit and then let that move through your soul. That's what we're looking for is that order. And here's a, here's a revelation to maybe some of you all. Did you know that you can even serve as a five-fold minister, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher? Because of and by the soul. They're all over the world, have been for generations. There are many people that serve in the fivefold ministry entirely from the soul. I mean, with a smidgen from the spirit and they do good works and they do things that God, you know, that, that, that look good and sound good. And they might preach the gospel and everything, but folks, the, the true life is in the spirit. You got just a shallow life from the soulless perspective. It has to come by way of the spirit Okay, so we see a distinction in life. I'm really close to being done by the spirit, according to what the mind is focused upon. So notice that a life by soulless nature alone cannot please God. Why? It always relies on what is seen, what is known, what is understood, i.e. it's not faith. Listen to what Romans 8, 5 through 8 says to prove it. it says for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, here it is, the order, spirit, soul, body. You live according to the spirit, then the things of the spirit, or set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That word enmity means to be divided completely against If you want to be in a position far from God, then you live from nothing but a soulless perspective. At some point in time, you're going to reach, reach a place to where your pride, the knowledge that's puffed you up, is going to separate you from God. Now, it won't separate your relationship. It'll separate your fellowship. We don't want to be in that position. So it's spirit first. We set our minds on the things of the spirit according to the scripture. So this is the last thing. Your soul must be saved, quote unquote. It must be saved by way of a continual submission to God's word and the renewal of it by revelation. So how do we, you know, Greg, what is our hope from a soulless perspective? We have a lot of hope. It is the word of God. It's the rama of God that comes into our life that we receive that illuminates our mind by way of the spirit. James one twenty one. Listen to what it says. It says, wherefore, putting away all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness, receive with meekness the engrafted or the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. That so that word is suke there. We're talking about the soul, and we're talking about the fact that we have to have it saved and renewed. There's only one way that that takes place, and it's by getting your spirit man in the preeminent position of authority and living from that tangent as strongly as you can and then submitting that unto God and then thereby receiving, by way of the Spirit, illumination that will come to enlighten your mind and renew it. Renew it. That's what we're talking about. Soul salvation is to have your mind renewed. To renew means to make new again. To make new. That means to make new. That means to rebirth it into a new concept of its operation. Romans twelve two. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it is again. That you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How many of us this morning want to do the will of God in our lives? How many of y'all would like to know what the will of God is for your life? I got both hands up. Guess what? You can know what the will of God is. As a matter of fact, you can prove it out. And that scripture just told us how to do it. How do you do it though? How do you do it? You can't be conformed to this world. That means you cannot live your life the way other people live it, the way the majority of this world is going to live their life. And that is from completely the soul and the flesh perspective. You have to not be conformed to that concept. You have to have a paradigm shift. You have to be transformed. To be transformed means to be made from, take something and absolutely recreate it into something brand new. Something that's not even in relation to what it was before. When we talk about transformation, I'm talking about taking an old, nasty, hairy caterpillar and turning it into a beautiful butterfly. That's what I'm talking about this morning. That's what I'm talking about being made renewed. It's the same organism, right? But it has been made renewed, it has been renewed into a new manifestation. It has been transformed into something different. It's the same organism. It's the same genetic makeup. I can take the juice of a caterpillar and the juice of that most beautiful butterfly, and I can study it uh, through electrophoretic investigation genetically and prove out that it had the exact genetic uh, code, the exact protein that are called by that genetic code. It's the same organism, 100%. But guess what? They don't look anything alike. They're completely different. They have no relationship to each other from a physical perspective when you look at them, do they? But yet they're the same organism. I'm here this morning to tell you by the Spirit of God God is awaiting. To deliver unto you a renewal process that will transform you from that old, nasty, hairy, grubby soul in Suke To take that person in that position and to pull you through a process of transformation that will make you something new and beautiful. And something that can ascend unto a different level. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That was just straight by the Spirit. I didn't have that on my notes praise god will you stand with me this morning i didn't even take an hour hallelujah praise the lord let's just uh let's just uh, lift our hands